listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. This recording is being made right at the beginning of October of the 2019 season right in the middle of season changes for a lot of people, whether you're on the West Coast or on the East Coast and uh, gearing up the fish for other types of fish and other types of conditions. Today, we have a special guest. Our guest is Joby Sepalu from uh, Lake Tahoe. And Joby has a guide and charter service on uh, Lake Tahoe, if you can imagine. And without feeling much of his thunder, Joby, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you Terrific. today? I'm great. How are you, Joby? I'm doing well. Terrific. Terrific. How's fishing been? Fishing on Tahoe is always very good. It's uh, beautiful views, great fishing, um, pretty much one of the best places to go fishing in the world. I'll bet it is. I'll bet it is. And, uh, Joby, I'm just curious. Um, I, I know that you said to me that um, you grew up on Lake Tahoe, but how did you start fishing um, or how old were you when you started fishing? Was there somebody in your life that uh, got you on the water and, and got this bug started? You know, Ted, that's a good question. I, I don't remember when I started fishing. All I remember is fishing. So it's been for pretty much most of my life. Um, I, I'm younger than both my brother and sister by, you know, five and six years. Uh, there mm-hmm. was, uh, we're very fortunate to live here in Lake Tahoe. And at one of our local schools, a teacher by the name of Doug Fort would take those classes uh, camping each year. Um, that camping trip was done down in Markleyville. I was age four and five the first couple times I did it. Wow. All of the fifth and sixth graders. Yeah, young. And, you know, all the fifth and sixth graders would be out having a good time and I'd have my rod in the, uh, in the river. And I think one of the first big fish I remember catching was a, about a 27 inch cutthroat trout. Um, and I caught that, um, that cutthroat trout in, in Markleyville, California. And it was funny because I fished that river by myself. And the next thing I knew there was about, oh, 60 fifth and sixth graders with their rods in the water after that. And that teacher, Ted told me yeah. that, uh, I'll never forget. And I tell my, I tell my guests to this day, um, he said, Joby, you would catch fish in a toilet. And you know, I know that's kind of a, <laughs> Uh, a, a weird statement, but uh, it, it stuck. So, you know, that, that was the, the first big fish I remember catching, Ted. Wow. Wow. And, and it just, uh, it grew from there, from there, huh? You bet. And then, um, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with Lake Tahoe, but in Lake Tahoe, there is an inland waterway called the Tahoe Keys. Um, okay. The Tahoe Keys was developed in the 1950s and and finally finished in the in the late 60s and what it is is a marshland that was dug out so um tahoe is very unique in the sense that it's 100 percent snowpack or or um um the the water is derived from the snow snow melt and right there are about 73 inflows and just one outflow and one of the major inflows is the Upper Truckee River on the South Shore. And they dug mm-hmm. up the Upper Truckee River Marsh and made that into the Tahoe Keys. Um, 
Oh, no kidding. An environmental nightmare, uh, kind of a problem for the ecosystem, but a great place to live and grow up. So that's that's where I grew up, Ted. Wow, no kidding. No kidding. Why, why did they do that originally back in the 50s? Was it for uh, water conservation or what was the purpose? No, it was all development. It was basically to build lots on the water. It's, uh, yeah, I've lived here my whole life and a lot of people may take, uh, take offense to the term I use, but it's, uh, it's the poor man's uh, lakefront is what it is. So there's about 1,200 homes. 1200 homes that are on the waterway here and the waterway leads straight out to a channel that leads you to the lake um growing up it was wonderful i had a small skiff that my uncle leo a great man um my great uncle was a world war ii vet gave me yeah. the small skiff with a small johnson outboard on it and for the most part i attribute that to staying out of trouble and staying out of jail and i fished every day <laughs> of my life from the time i can remember did you really no kidding no kidding. What a great, what a great story. And, and when did the transition happen, Joby, to uh, make this into a profession? Well, my family was in, uh, was in the, the tourist related business. We, we, we had a laundry. Um, so we served the, oh. we served the entire Tahoe basin and we did laundry, um, commercial, uh, sheets and towels and napkins and tablecloths for the restaurants and motels. Yeah, and we we did that my whole life. My my grandfather started that business here in town, um, back in the gosh, he bought it back in the early fifties, uh, late forties, early fifties. Uh, my mom grew up doing it. My dad got into the business, and so I pretty much expected to be in the laundry business. And I, I went to school in in Chico, California, California State University, Chico, which was sure. a great place for a sportsman to go to school. I I have to admit, uh, I was a marketing major. Uh -huh. But I did more um, hunting and fishing than I did school, to be honest with you. So, um, great place to go to school and and to you know catch shad and and duck hunt and and all the different things that the Sacramento River Basin has to offer. Yeah. And when I graduated from school, or when I left school, I didn't, I, I I left without my degree. Um, when I left school, I came home to run the family business, and shortly thereafter, we sold out. So I had a couple of choices to make at that point. And I had worked uh, in the commercial salmon fishing business with my uncle Leo. I already mentioned his name. Right. And so it was always a passion. Um, so I worked for the company that bought us for several years. My son was born and I wanted to move home. So I got my Coast Guard license and bought a boat. And, and that was the beginning. And that wow. was uh, in 1997. Really? So you've been doing this, what, 22 years now, something like that? Yeah, been oh, fortunate that's... enough to do this for 22 years. Now, in, in Lake Tahoe, with all of the snow and, and the weather that you have, is the lake available year-long to fish? You know, it's, uh, it's a great fishery 12 months out of the year, Ted. And um, there, there is, some, there is some, some issues or some, some, some definite barriers to getting on the water, but Right. You know, for the most part, we've overcome those barriers. I, I operate out of the Tahoe Keys Marina. So mm -hmm. the Tahoe Keys is an the waterway. It's a lot of people ask me, does Lake Tahoe freeze? Well, no, the lake does not freeze, but the inland waterway does. So we Got keep it. that cleared out by uh, they put bubblers in the water that basically are just like little propellers underwater that keep the water moving to keep it from freezing. And mm -hmm. then those areas that aren't 
aren't being uh, aren't being moved, uh, you run a tugboat through. So we have access to the lake uh, 12 months out of the year. No kidding, no kidding. And and you're targeting the same species 12 months uh, 12 months long, Mackinac and trout and that sort of thing. We will. Uh, so there's four main game species in Lake Tahoe, Ted. Um, we have lake trout, um, also known as Mackinac. They are a from the char family. They're mm -hmm. a deep water fish, and they enjoy temperatures. Uh, they, they, I shouldn't say they enjoy. They live in temperatures that vary from 39 to to 50 degrees. They 40 to 44 is about where they like it. We also yeah. have rainbow trout and brown trout. Um, trophy rainbow trout and brown trout have you they're beautiful fish caught over 10 pounds every year wow. and then we have a healthy population of kokanee salmon um the kokanee mm -hmm. salmon have had some issues in size of, of late um, a lot of that has to do with feeding the lake and some certain stuff we could talk about later in your podcast but those four main species are the species we target the lake trout are a 12 month species or 12 month target um, we fish for mm -hmm. those all year long the rainbows and browns, um, they are going to be easiest, the, the, the easiest to target in late fall and spring because of water temperatures on the surface. Right. And they kind of disappear in the summer months and in the winter months. They just go a little bit dormant in the winter. And then the kokanee, those guys come in, and um, usually they run from anywhere from May to, to late August, September. Um, this year they were a little late. They're, they're still in, but... But they are they, they run a normal life cycle as a salmon does, uh, four to five years, depending on the fish and the and the year. And those are the four targets. Those are the four target species. Got it. Let's talk a little uh, about the kokanee salmon. I would I'm, I would imagine that of course our listeners from the West Coast are familiar with kokanee, but probably the farther east you go in the U.S. or uh, our listeners down in uh, uh, South America are not familiar with kokanee salmon. Can you share that story with us? The kokanee salmon are landlocked coho salmon. Um, mm -hmm. Now, now these these are a delicious fish. Um, they have been a very popular fish in the in the western United States because they can be um, they they can be a hatchery fish, or they can be raised in a hatchery. They yeah. can be planted in different lakes, and they are fairly easy to populate as they live on that four or five year cycle, as I mentioned. So. Just like a, any of the Pacific salmon species, they're going to um, have a four or five year life cycle. They're going to be born in the river, um, live in the river as fry that, for that first year. After their first year, they'll move into the open water just as they would in the Pacific Ocean. If they were an ocean-bearing ocean fish, um, they would then move into the Pacific Ocean. They'd, they'd hide in the deep water wherever they could find feed for those years until they became a predatory fish, which is usually in the third, fourth, or fifth year, depending on the size of the fish. Mm -hmm. um, at that point in the third, fourth, or fifth year, usually fourth or fifth for most of the salmon species, they um, congregate in areas where they can feed heavily before they head up the river to spawn and start, start that life cycle over again. So uh -huh. essentially, once they feed and get large, then they'll move into those freshwater rivers as well, and they will spawn in those rivers um, and then die. Um, so the, the states have found those to be easy fish to raise, um, mm -hmm. very delicious fish for the anglers to catch. And, um, so they're, they, they were a very, or they are a very popular fish throughout most of the Western United States for, 
for the average angler to go out and you know catch a catch a bag full. You you bet. Now and now, how big do the uh, 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 do they get in Lake Tahoe? Well, the lake record was caught just a few years ago by one of the charter companies in Lake Tahoe, and it was about uh, actually that was the state record. It was five and 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 two quarter and five and a quarter pounds. Um, wow, that's a big, a beautiful yeah. fish. Yeah, no kidding. That's incredible. And it, yeah. it, it's unusual that the fish that large was caught here in recent years. <clears throat> Excuse me, because uh, the fish have been shrinking over time, just uh, lack of feed. Um, mm -hmm. genetic issues at the hatchery where they're getting mix, mixed with other batches of fish. But there was one pot of big fish and one of the better fishermen on the lake um, that had fished a charter boat for my competitor did. Uh, he was a, he's a great kokanee fisherman, caught that fish, I believe it was three, three or four years ago. And, and that pot of fish that he caught him out of was, were all real big, obviously not as yeah. big as that one, but all real big fish. Wow, no kidding. And what, what's the limit on kokanee in, in Tahoe? Tahoe is five fish. You can keep up to five fish. And, okay. you know, you, you'll probably get 40 or 50 bites in a morning, and they have real soft mouths, so it's hard to keep them on the hook. So catching those five can, can be real easy some days or very challenging, depending on the day. Uh -huh. And uh, a lot of it has to do with those soft mouths and just playing them right. 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 Interesting. You know, I, I've never known, I, I believe geographically that Tahoe sits um, on, on sort of the border, isn't it, between Nevada and California? Am I right? Tahoe is two-thirds California and one-third Nevada. And yeah. as the states in our country um, get less and less uh, cooperative as time goes on, this is one lake that they still reciprocate. You can fish California or Nevada fishing license. You can fish on the shore in Nevada with the California or vice versa. Um, oh, okay. And California no longer does any enhancement of the fishery. So they don't, they don't do anything. They're trying to repopulate the fish with uh, cutthroat trout, which we can talk a little bit about the history of the lake and the history of the fishery later yeah. in your podcast. But, but California has California fish and wildlife has done um, very little um, in recent years to enhance Lake Tahoe as a fishery. Nevada mm -hmm. still puts in a few rainbow trout, um, and it's appreciated that they do that, but unfortunately most of those rainbow trout get eaten by the, by the Mackinac or the lake trout because the right. Mackinac or the lake trout are at the top of the food chain. Right. But the ones that do make it, it does help supplement that, that fishery. And, and as I mentioned, we have trophy rainbow trout and brown trout in our lake, so anything we can do to supplement that fishery is, is, is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And you said that you get, you get rainbow up to 10 pounds in the lake? Yeah, there have been rainbow cod. I believe the lake record is about 15 and a half pounds um, wow. for the rainbow trout and about 16.5 for 16.8 for the brown trout. No kidding. And, and is that a native fish to Lake Tahoe then? No, Ted. Uh, none of the species of, of game fish in the lake are native to Lake Tahoe. Um, okay. The native species on Lake Tahoe were the Paiute cutthroat trout. Mm -hmm. The Paiute cutthroat trout were, uh, there's, there's pictures and, and stories of these fish being five feet long. Um, no kidding. They were, they were commercially harvested in the late 1800s during the boom in Virginia City and in, in, in right. Nevada. Right. Um, Along with that commercial harvesting of those fish, we had a the Army Corps of Engineers built a dam. Um, that dam is on the northwest shore of the lake, 
on the Truckee River, the one outflow of the lake, those Paiute cutthroat trout spawned upstream. And between the commercial harvesting and the dam that the Army Corps of Engineers put on the lake, it, it wiped out the populations of Paiute cutthroat trout. And those really? populations pretty much gone in around 1910, um, oh. which is a sad thing because they were beautiful fish. Yeah, but, no uh, they, they are no longer. I can't imagine a five foot long trout. That's a beast, man. Yeah, they had been in here a long time. And, um, and you know, we do have native bait fish, the Lahontan red side, speckled dace, um, tui chub. <laughs> we have uh, also a mountain whitefish, uh, Tahoe yeah. whitefish is what some people call them. Mm -hmm. um, those are all native to the lake as well, but the, the game species are not. Um, they were all put in around the, you know, early part of the 1900s. And then I think the kokanee were put in a little bit later, along yeah. with a lot of other fish that didn't make it, um, at least at least as the story goes. Mm -hmm. um, the lake trout, I believe, you know, the populations of lake trout in the late 70s, um, there's a great book called Fishing Lake Tahoe by a gentleman by the name of John Roush. John Roush was one of the one of the people, pioneers of fishing on Lake Tahoe, and he estimated the the population of lake trout to be in the hundreds of millions back in the late 70s. Um, oh my God. I know some of my guests don't, don't think that some days when we can't catch them, but uh, when you see them stacked up on the, on the sonar, it's pretty evident that there's a lot of fish in Lake Tahoe. Wow, no kidding. So it's predominantly lake trout that, that you fish for when somebody books a charter with you. You bet. They're the top of the food chain. So mm -hmm. when I first started fishing, I, I always thought that that my, my bread was going to be buttered with the kokanee salmon. And mm -hmm. at that time, I guess in the late 1990s, um, the, you'd catch two and a half pound kokanee fairly common, you know, 20, 22 inches, 24 inches, beautiful fish. The bite was very consistent. And then unfortunately, they just shrunk. Um, Right. Uh, due to a few reasons. The state of California um, back in the 70s put mice shrimp in Lake Tahoe. And they did that thinking that they would grow the kokanee salmon to be even larger than they were. Mm -hmm. um, the mice shrimp go deep at, deep in, at, uh, in, during the day when the sun's up. And then they go uh, shallow at night. The kokanee salmon have an opposite. So they'll go um, oh, shallower God. during the day and, and, and deeper. So um, they figured that these, these shrimp and, and kokanee would cross and the kokanee would feed on the shrimp and end up being, you know, six pounds, seven pounds, but right. they didn't. And what they didn't take into account was the fact that the mycey shrimp feed on plankton, just like the kokanee salmon feed on plankton. Oh. So oh, really? the mycey shrimp began to eat the, the food supply of the kokanee. Mm -hmm. And what, what ended up happening is the mycey shrimp ended up being one of the staple in the Mackinac or lake trout diet. So, you know, whenever, yeah, I would have actually uh, sided with the fish and wildlife on that one and thought, oh, yeah. that's a great idea. Right. But whenever we get too caught up in trying to be mother nature, um, I think it's turned out that we, we're wrong more often than yeah. not. And yeah. uh, some things are just better left alone and, and, you know, now there's talk of eradication of the mycey shrimp, eradication of the lake trout, eradication of this, eradication mm -hmm. of that. Well, best of luck to them. Um, mm -hmm. and, and once again, it's time that, you know, people just quit messing with things and, and yeah. enjoy the fishery for what it is and 
maybe help enhance it with with another species or two. But eradication is just un. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's too big of a body of water, isn't it? I mean, to even even attempt something like that. Well, you're looking for needle in a haystack, but yeah. in the mycy shrimp, and there's a whole bunch of them in the haystack, so it's going to be really difficult to eradicate those. Yeah. And then from the perspective of the lake trout, um, almost impossible to eradicate those. They're at the top of the food chain. So mm -hmm. um, Tahoe's not a lake you can drain. Um, right. In fact, the amount of water in Lake Tahoe, the volume of water in Lake Tahoe is so great that you could dump out the lake into the state of California and you'd have about 14 inches of water across the entire state. So it's a massive volume of water. Good. It's deep, isn't it? Holy smokes. You bet. Wow. So, so you 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 target lake trout. What what's a typical day on the water with you, Joby? Well, I have I've become um, very binary in, in the type of fishing that I do. Or I I do I choose one type of fishing, sometimes two. Um, mm -hmm. I jig fish primarily, and I jig fish for multiple reasons. I number one, I can jig fish with light tackle. Um, yep. and light tackle is a, is a lot more fun to catch the lake trout as you're fishing them deep than it is the heavier stuff that, that some people use on Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. So a typical day, we're going to leave, you know, at sunrise, head out on the lake and, uh, we're going to go, go head out and we're going to do some vertical jigging for lake trout. Um, we use a, a jig that is unique to, to us. Um, they are, the jigs are sold, but they're made by a gentleman by the name of Ryan Wallace, Captain Ryan Jig Company. And, and Ryan um, worked for Mile High Fishing years ago, um, had some health issues, battled cancer and, and beat it and bought the mold for those jigs. And, and they are fantastic jigs on Lake Tahoe. So we, we head out and we jig for the lake trout. And when we do that, we're using a six, today we're using a six, eight medium white rod. And we put a Captain Ryan jig tipped with a minnow on that. Lately, we've been fishing anywhere from 80 to 120 feet of water. We'll drop right into that 80 foot down to the bottom, bring it up a few cranks, and we've worked those jigs right off the bottom. Um, wow. Fishing has been really good. You're going to average maybe five or six fish per rod um, on a daily basis, mm -hmm. sometimes more, sometimes less. Obviously, that's the average. Those fish are going to average a size anywhere from three to five pounds, and I know that's kind of a big number on the average, but considering they get into the upper 30s and you have a pretty constant fish in the three to four pound range some days that average can be five or six pounds some days that average can be two or three pounds so sure. if that makes any sense to the anglers out there um, mm -hmm. that average can, can can fluctuate daily but fishing is really good and it's a lot of fun and light tackle on tahoe with uh jigging is is really the way to go oh absolutely i mean the light in my opinion the lighter the better i've always enjoyed that and, and uh the Mackinac or the lake trout fishing I've done, a lot of it has been done with downriggers and cannonballs. And, you know, you don't even know if you have a strike out there, you know? And, and you know, I've done it all. And I, I did a lot of downrigging, a lot of trolling. And I just heard too many people say, you know, gosh, I, I watch you run the downriggers and, and then you hand me the rod once the fish is on. And, and, you know, I try and have my anglers involved every day in everything that we do. You know, there's some safety issues with running downriggers if you haven't ran them, but it's certainly not rocket science. And over the years and, you know, since, gosh, 2010, 
I, I don't think I've trolled on a charter at all. I, I've jigged really? because I just have too many people that enjoy handling their rod, mm-hmm. um, getting that rod in the water, catching the fish from the, from the bite to the hook set to the net. And um, you can't argue with happy customers, Ted. Amen. Isn't that the truth? Now, now how many, mm-hmm. how many uh, fishermen can you put on a boat uh, for a trip? You know, on Lake Tahoe, and, and there are companies that run more anglers than we do, but I've always had uh, just something in me just doesn't want to take more than six six people. So we stick with mm-hmm. United States Coast Guard six passenger licenses. A lot of people call them six packs. Six so packs, right? the two boats we currently have both accommodate six people very comfortably. Um, and we stick to that six, that six number just because I think it's the most, you can catch the most fish at that number. Um, and it's still comfortable and everybody can do what they need to do without getting lines tangled and such. So mm-hmm. six is our maximum. Very good. And how big of a boat do you run, Joby? Uh, you know, we, we just picked up this, this July, a 2020, um, 28 25 kingfisher so that's a 30 foot kingfisher lots of deck space big cabin really nice and warm a beautiful boat the boat i ran until this year until july is our 25 foot kingfisher and that boat is beautiful as well um i'm really fortunate all of our boats are kingfisher um all of our motors are mercury and we are kingfisher pro staff and mercury pro staff and very proud of it our boat dealer is gone fishing marine and they service and take care of those mercuries for us and they sell the kingfishers and do a great job oh that's awesome and that's a nice boat too isn't it? and uh, for people that don't don't know the dynamics of that boat you've got a big cabin on there and you probably run heaters in the winter time and and keep everybody toasty warm uh, while you're getting to and from the fishing grounds you know, we've had an early start to winter this year, Ted, and I've had people very concerned about getting, being cold out on the water and such, and they show up, and they're in their parkas, and, and they're scared to death of what the day's going to hold, and they climb on our boats that both have really nice propane heaters in them, and, and it's 75 degrees in the cabin and a nice place to warm up during the trip. So, Absolutely. you know, whether it's summertime and you have lots of sun and you need to get out of it, or wintertime and it's cold, the cabins are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, do you run what half days or full days? What uh, what do you, what do you offer in regards to the length? We of time? do both. Our, our our half day trips are are uh, four to five hours, and those trips go out both morning and afternoon. We have a in the summertime a six o'clock departure and a twelve o'clock departure, and wintertime seven or eight o'clock departure, and then again at one or two. Mm-hmm. Part of the winter we'll just do one departure at nine a.m. and we won't do a second. And then we also do full day charters and those charters are six to seven hours and those go early and, and, you know, we just go get them. Uh, those, the full day charters are best, um, both fall and, and, and spring when we can fish multiple species of fish. So mm-hmm. I don't always take, but there are a lot of people, Ted, that, that want to go out for that seven hour trip and they don't want to do a five hour trip because just because they love being on the water. So we do them all year round, but, uh, mm-hmm. I suggest those fall and winter. You're yeah, very good. Now, do you run an open boat concept, or is this all uh, uh, guided or uh, um, uh, so, uh, or guided charter? Um, so, when you ask open boat or private boat, is I think what, yeah. what you mean. Um, yeah, exactly. We specialize in private boats, but we do open charters as well. So, up to six people on a on a mixed group, mm-hmm. um, and then we do 
we have a very reasonably priced private charter. So, you know, when it comes to private charters, uh, people look to us because they can get out, they can get their party out. It doesn't cost them an arm and a leg and they can enjoy the boats, just their group, family, um, office, whatever it might be that they, you know, we do lots of bachelor parties. We do lots of bachelorette parties. Um, and it works out real nice having a private boat. Makes sense. Now, if somebody wants to come up uh, from, you know, Reno or uh, let's say Sacramento or the Bay Area, and they want to bring up a group of employees and that sort of thing, uh, can you accommodate larger groups? We can on the two boats. And we also work in conjunction with other boats on the lake. So we can do groups up to, we've done groups up to 45 or 50. Wow. Um, we enjoyed doing those groups of, you know, this year we had three boats on the water so we could handle groups up to 18 just in-house. And we make it, a, we do a lot of things. We do team building, um, team building ideas. We have, you know, we've done scavenger hunt fishing expeditions. We do um, fishing derbies within those groups. So we do everything we can to, to make it as enjoyable as possible. And being that I am a, a native to Lake Tahoe, we have a lot of connections within the community that we can do things and, and some great places for folks to uh, take their catch afterwards and have it prepared. And um, it's a really, really great way to finish the day. And as you know, Ted, being an outdoorsman yourself, just fresh fish uh, the day after being on the water or, you know, hours after being on the water just can't be beat. Nothing better. No, nothing better. And, and lake trout are pretty good to eat, aren't they? They are, you know, in some places they have a bad reputation because they sit on the bottom. But, mm -hmm. you know, Lake, Ta Lake Tahoe is one of the cleanest, clearest bodies of water on Earth. And uh, when you have a clean, clear body of water, what you have is a very clean, clear and, and, and perfect food source. So yeah. I've actually had biologists from the University of Nevada come fishing with me and take, take some of these fish back to their labs and, and look at the at the at the meat of the fish and the protein of the fish and and i can tell you firsthand from from their experience these fish have more omega-3s than a salmon does they are really? perfectly pure so in to, in this day and age where a lot of fisheries whether it be the delta or, or or other places where you're warned not to eat fish more than once a week or twice a month depending on where you're at you know mm -hmm. tahoe you can eat these fish every day they're real orange meat. A lot of that has to do with those micey shrimp I was talking about. Sure. Um, and they are, they are one of the best protein sources that you can, that you can feed off of. So mm -hmm. the lake trout, it's a sustainable fishery. So you're, you're not having to worry about wiping out a fishery or wiping out an ecosystem. And the, the protein source and the omega-3s, it's, it's the perfect food, really. So mm -hmm. they are delicious. The kokanee are delicious. Um, but for the most part, because the rainbow and brown trout are a are a limited resource on Lake Tahoe, I try and return most of those fish. There are a lot of guys that are killing them on a daily basis, and and it's disappointing because we want to see that fishery maintain over the the you know next hundred years, um, yeah. in spite of the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. But uh, you know when you do when you do have to take one because you catch it in the gill or or however you might um, might hurt that or damage that fish, they are excellent eating as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, over this last uh, summer season, there's always that one or two trips that you take as a, as, a, as a guide and you go, gosh, that was an incredible trip. Do you have one in mind that you've taken in the last couple of months that you can share with us? Gosh, Ted, you know, I do so many trips. It's really hard to pull out one individually. Mm -hmm. 
I can, I can go back to a trip in the spring and, and I'll tell you, it's, this is for awareness is what this is. Um, my mom, Ted suffers from, from Alzheimer's disease. Um, oh. it's a terrible disease. It's devastating. It's debilitating. It's hard on the families. It's hard on the people that have it. Mm-hmm. And this year, um, I had the opportunity to take out a gentleman, um, Mike Pinder of the, one of the original Moody Blues. Um, really? Great man. Very, very enjoyable trip. He was with his two boys. It was a fantastic group. And for me, it was really memorable because he, he has Alzheimer's, Ted. And, you know, I, I, I took him out on the boat and it had so much correlation to my mom's situation just because he was very close to where she was at um, about a year ago. So for me, taking, taking those guys out and enjoying the uh, fishery that I love so much and, and, and letting them enjoy it as well. We caught nice fish that day. Um, it was just a great trip. And, and, you know, once again, I mentioned this on the podcast just to bring awareness to the, mm-hmm. you know, the purple, the purple pin that you see people wearing, the purple ribbon, that's the Alzheimer's ribbon and, and yeah. just awareness to the Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, absolutely. I lost my mother to Alzheimer's just about a year ago. And uh, it was, uh, you know, very deteriorating disease that, uh, that people haven't experienced that uh, seeing a loved one go through it. it it's, uh, it's kind of shocking, isn't it? It it really is. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to bring down the podcast and, and you and I, are, I'm sure are going to have a long lasting relationship here and, and we can talk about some of the funny trips and some of the more serious trips in the future. But I just did want to mention that because I did very much enjoy it. And yes, it is a difficult Definitely. disease. And, and uh, you know, that's the hashtag and Alzheimer's is hashtag and ALZ. Uh, very good. Very good. So I'm just curious, what what do you do with your time off? It doesn't sound like you have a whole lot of it, but uh, what do you enjoy doing when you're not on the boat? You know, Ted, I coached basketball for a number number of years here in Lake Tahoe, and you know, I, uh-huh. I raised two spectacular boys. Uh, I'm so proud that they were also Tahoe natives. So, to be honest, the the time off I have is is most especially uh, spent with with family. So we we chase our family. We do a little bit of traveling. We will try and fish. Um, and then I also have an amazing hunting dog and, and we do some guided hunting trips as well. And I, I just really enjoy chucker hunting and, and quail right. hunting. So between hunting and fishing and, and chasing my family, that's pretty much my entire time. Very good. Very good. In, in regards to the equipment that you use, are you on uh, pro staff or have agreements with uh, tackle manufacturers and that sort of thing, Joby? I do. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be part of the Pure Fishing Pro Staff, um, or I, I shouldn't say Pro Staff, Select Angler Program. So mm-hmm. I do, uh, all my reels are Abu Garcia, um, top mm-hmm. of the line, line counter Abus, 6500 C3 line counters. They're uh, fantastic rods and reels, or excuse me, reels. Um, this year, I, I um, broke off and I used Douglas rods, and Douglas oh, rods are becoming more and more popular. Um, and we, we use a, a six foot eight medium light Douglas and they are just fantastic rods. I, uh, I, I couldn't be more happy with them. Mm-hmm. Now are you, uh, and, and you're using level wine reels and that sort of thing primarily? Yeah. The, the 6,500 C3s are, are level wines, uh, uh-huh. level wine bait casters. They are, I think one of the best reels made. 
Mm-hmm. They, we replace all of our gear annually. So everything that you fish on Mile High Fishing is always going to be new. Um, we also are very proud to be part of the Rapala Pro staff. Um, and we use Suffolk's line, Suffolk's braid, um, mm-hmm. 832. It's a great braided line with a fluorocarbon leader on all those rods. Um, so, yeah, we we pride ourselves on using the best in the business. And with our Douglas rods, our Abu Garcia reels, Suffolk's line, um, Rapala, and Captain Ryan jigs, we, uh, we have the best in the biz. Sounds like you've got it covered. Now, I'm, I'm just curious. Um, how about people that have never fished before, have limited experience, kids and that sort of thing? Are they welcome on the boat? Always welcome. And I'll tell you, with this style of fishing, as unique as it is, I tell a lot of people that uh, I love to take out newbies because I don't have any bad habits to break. Um, I have a ton of people that fish with me from the south, ton of people that fish with me from the northeast and, and midwest and, and all over the country and world, to be honest with you. And, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people from Texas and the south, they, uh, they're bass fishermen. So their yeah. first reaction is, is just ripping lips you know they don't they don't get the concept of reeling out and and having any kind of any kind of uh you know not ripping those lips off those fish so yeah new new people coming out that haven't fished before a couple things they've saved their luck for their whole life so they're going to be real lucky coming out and i love that i love to have kids on my boat because a lot of kids Mm -hmm. that fish with me have, have caught fish before but just the nature of these lake trout um, I usually break their big fish record every time they come out with us. Awesome. Awesome. That, uh, that, that must put not only a smile on their face, but a smile on your face. You bet it does. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to take kids out and have them catch that, that first big freshwater fish that they've caught in their life. And sometimes the biggest that they'll ever catch in their life. Mm-hmm. So true. You know, I share this story quite often and it's just about your profession. And I can't think of a more honorable profession than to take people out and help them build memories. Because when it does come to that end of life, uh, a lot of people are not going to be sitting on their, on, you know, on their deathbed thinking about all the business deals they've done, right? They're going to be thinking about that, you know, 17 pound Mackinac they caught with Captain Joby, you know, back 20 years ago. And what you do for people is something that they carry on with them for a lifetime. And I, uh, I thank you for doing that. I love doing it, Ted. And, you know, a lot of people think of fishing guides. They think that fishing is the primary as- aspect of being a fishing guide. Well, yeah. fishing, just about anybody can do. Um, a fishing guide is a people person. A fishing guide mm-hmm. is somebody that, can, that, that enjoys people enjoys fishing with people, enjoys showing people, enjoys telling people, enjoys listening to people. And that's really the biggest aspect of my job is, is not just the fishing part. That's the important part. Believe me, people want to catch fish, but Mm -hmm. it's the people, it's, it's the people that I take fishing people from all over the world, every walk of life, all different things. And you say, you know, end of life situation, you know, that's a sad situation, but I can tell you, a colleague of mine um, and I were talking the other day about the number of people that we fished this with, that fished with this year that had stage four cancer or wow. were terminally ill. And mm-hmm. they were coming out with their buddies or their family or their friends to spend, you know, the last few months of their life doing right. something they truly enjoyed. And, yeah. um, and I love taking part of that and being a part of that. And, you know, 
you said, you know, those people with their, with their pictures and such, I can't tell you how many family albums that I'm, that I'm in, um, mm -hmm. how many people that would invite me to their dinner table because we did spend those five or six hours fishing and how exactly. many customers I've had over the course of the 22 years I've been fishing that have fished with me 40 times in those 22 years or, you know, twice a year, once a year, yep. once every five years. And, you know, I take great pride in that, Ted. Absolutely. And they consider you one of their best friends. You know, and even though you might only family, absolutely, absolutely, it's very fulfilling on both sides of that coin. You bet. But, well, Joby, I want to thank you so much for carving out part of your day with us uh, uh, today. It's been a real pleasure to uh, 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 talk with you, and I'm sure the listeners have gained a lot. How do people contact you, Joby, if they would like to book a trip? Well, the best way to find our information is on our website, which is fishtahoe.com. Fishtahoe.com tells you just about everything there is to know about Mile High Fishing and, and our company. And you can also reach us by phone at 530-541-5312. Very good. Very good. Well, Joby, once again, thank you so much, my friend, and uh, we wish you the best of, of the 2019 season and uh, hope that 2020 is your very best ever. And I'm sure people will remember this when they are heading to Tahoe to do some of maybe some of their other family activities and they're going, gosh, I got to get a hold of that Joby guy and have him take me out because uh, that's something that you don't, uh, uh, you know, don't want to miss when you come to your part of the world. Fish on Ted podcast, the best in the business. I thank you very much, Ted. You have a great one. Okay. Thanks again, Joby.